Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Stevens Creek. Okay, all right, let's try one more time. Good morning, Stevens Creek. It is great to be in church this morning. So great to see all of you um, that you're here in church, whether you're here um, in the auditorium, you are in our atrium or at your outdoor venue. We're glad you're here at church. But I'm super excited that our South Augusta campus is with us this morning. Can we give it up for South Augusta? We are one church in two locations. So glad that you guys are with us this morning. Um, one quick thing before we get in the message this morning. If you reach in your back seat pocket, there's this little card here. It's our all-in card. Over the next 90, well, at the end of this series, 90 days, we're going to challenge you to go all-in and make a commitment. Some of you have been attending church and you've been here, but it's time for you to make a spiritual decision to either follow Jesus, to get baptized, or deepen your devotional or prayer life. Uh, Some of you need to join community, uh, but all of us have a step that we can take to go all in together. And so uh, if you have your phones, take those out. We're going to do the instructions. Now, 9 a.m., they did pretty good, but I think 1030, y'all going to get this down. Take your phones out, hover over this QR code, this scramble-looking thing, Hover over it. You don't have to, uh, you know, snap a picture of it. Just hover over it, and it works on both Android and Apple. I'm glad Android caught up. But um, hovered over it, and there will be a link. You can click that link, and it'll take you right to the website, and you'll be able to see everything. It's self-explanatory, and we want to challenge you to go all in. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And on July 25th, we're going to finally make our decision, all right? So if you have your Bibles, will you stand with me? We're going to Acts chapter 2 this morning. And on your spare time, I would encourage you to um, look at Acts uh, chapter 1 through 41 and read that. I'm not going to read it because I want you to pay attention to the rest of it. Uh, But we're going to read a few verses, um, 1 through 7 first. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Go down with me to verse 12. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Uh, Roll over with me to verse 37. And it says, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, 
Brethren, what shall we do? In verse 41, so when those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. I want to talk to you for a few moments on being united for mission. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. I pray that you would empower your preacher, that you would give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In 1980, as two uh, world superpowers were locked in what seemed like a never-ending Cold War, the world gathered for the Olympics. The Olympics are a time of great uh, unity and togetherness. It's a time of competition, and everybody were, was excited for the events. And for most of the events, there were a lot of ambiguity or questions about who would win. They were wondering who would win in the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash, who would win in the shot put, and who would win in the javelin. But there was one event that there was very little question on who was going to win. When it came to hockey, it was very clear that the Soviet Union, now known as Russia, was going to be the team that walked away with the gold. The reason being is that in 1964, or rather since 1964, the Soviet Union had won every single gold medal. In fact, since 1968, the Soviet Union had not lost a game, and they were at the peak of their abilities. This team was loaded with talents and gifts. They had all professionals at the top of their talents and gifting, and it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the hockey gold medal. It seemed even more likely after they saw their opponents. Uh, the American team, which was on the other side of the rink, they were the opponents of the Soviet, and this American team was a bunch of nobodies, ordinary guys that they recruited from places of obscurity to play on this team. They were a bunch of college kids who didn't know much, had zero professional experience. They recruited the Captain Mike who was the only one who had a little professional experience that was basically a YMCA league that he was playing in. It was a group that had no potential, but yet when the game started, something happened. This Russian team that had been so dominant and in control, that had never lost a game, faced an American team that had some fight and some grit. And at the end of the game, the Americans won four to three. Although everybody had written them off and said they couldn't win, they saw victory in their lives. This event is now known as the Miracle on Ice. And there are two reasons why they were able to win. One is that they realized that they were equipped for this, that they had gone through all the training necessary in order to play in this game. And I need you to understand and allow this to seep within your soul that I am fully equipped to go all in on the mission God has for me and his church. I am fully equipped that God has equipped me to do what he has called me to do and what he has called me to do within the confines of his church. But the second thing that made them unique and special 
is that they had no superstars. They were a team that was united. And the reality is that God unites his church for mission. That God brings his church together in order to fulfill the mission that he has for them. And the story we see here in uh, the book of Acts is a continuation of God equipping and fulfilling the mission that he has for them. Last week, we talked about how God equips us for mission, and we left off at verse 11. After that, uh, the rest of chapter 1 is them getting themselves in alignment. They begin to go back to Jerusalem. It was a day's journey away from where they had saw Jesus. Jesus go up and they go back into Jerusalem. They get into the upper room and they begin to do some preliminary things and they they get some other issues out of the way. They pick a replacement for Judas and they have things in alignment. And where we are in chapter two, we have five implications or uh, things, observations that I want to show you about unity that will have implication and application for our life as we go all in on what God has called us to do. Here's the first thing, is that unity requires obedience. In order for us to be unified, we have to obey what God has asked us to do. The scripture says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. The last thing Jesus told them to do was to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul tells us later in one of his epistles that over 500 people see Jesus. They are aware of it. They know this is happening, yet only 120 go into the room. Only 120 are willing to obey Jesus, to be in the right place at the right time. You see, my brothers and sisters, God has a plan for our lives, but the reality is that there are some things that God wants to do in our lives that are time-sensitive. Truth of the matter is the uh, opportunity of a lifetime lasts the lifetime of the opportunity. That what God wants to do in our life is sometimes time-sensitive. You see, they were in the right place at the right time when the day of Pentecost had come. And some people missed it. But God wanted to do something special in their lives. And that unity that God was performing in their lives required them to be obedient. Over 25 years ago, while Stevens Creek was in its infancy, Pastor Marty was given a burden from the Lord to go in a different direction. You see, the church had been growing, but it had plateaued, and God had burdened Pastor Marty with a desire to see a church where everybody could feel welcome, the desire to see a church where lost people can come and find hope and freedom. He tried to unite the church around this vision and this mission. 
But unfortunately, some who heard it weren't able to receive it and be united behind that. And in fact, a little over 120 of them walked away. But because of that obedience, we saw God begin to move and unite this church like never before. We saw God do unusual and incredible things, taking people from multiple different areas in order to unite them under the banner of Christ. In the Old Testament, they had this festival called the Feast of Weeks. And in the Feast of Weeks, people would bring their wheat harvest to the place of sacrifice, and everybody was required to bring their wheat. You would have the wheat from the suburbs show up, and they would bring their sacrifice. And those uh, wheat um, behind the gated community would bring their sacrifice. The wheat from the, the hood in the inner city would bring their sacrifice. And the wheat from the country, they would all bring their sacrifice from different places and different ideologies and different um, um, walks of life. They were bringing their wheat together. And what they would do when they brought the wheat together is they would be begin to crush it up and they would grain it down into grain and at the end of it you didn't know if the wheat came from the the suburbs or from the inner city you didn't know if it came from a doctor or for a fast food worker all you knew is that the wheat when it came together made something special and made the grain and can I tell you what God wants to do in his church is bring people from everywhere together in order to accomplish his purpose he doesn't care if you're black white skinny tall fat it doesn't matter where you come from. God wants to bring you together to do great work. <laughs> but it takes us being obedient. You see, in that room were many different personalities. You had the fishermen who had their agenda. They were sitting in a corner over there being smelly. Then you had the tax collector who uh, was used to finer clothes. He was probably like, I can't believe you booked a two-star inn. What are we doing here? Then you had the zealot who was strategizing how he was going to overthrow the Romans. You had every Enneagram type in the room. Everybody had their own point. Everybody had their own agenda. And what they had to do was surrender their agendas for God's purpose. Let me tell you something. Unity requires us sacrificing our preference for God's purpose. I know you may like it one way, but can I tell you God's purpose is bigger than your preference? I know it may be too loud or too low for you, but can I tell you God's purpose is bigger than our preference? And whether you're a fisherman, whether you are a royal family, wherever you land, when God calls his people to unite, our agendas have to be left on the outside and we have to collectively come together for God's purpose, which is to change the hearts and lives of humanity. He brings these people together. And let me tell you, unity is not uniformity. Your variety is necessary. It helps build the mosaic that makes God's family what it is. 
Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. You are necessary to what God is doing in the earth. You are necessary to what God is doing here at Stevens Creek Church. And that dream of over 25 years ago of a place where people mattered, that instead of a country club, it would be a place for the hurting and the broken. We are walking in that reality. Uh, I want to show you a picture of a friend of mine here at this church. This is my friend Greg. Um, This is me and Greg. We are currently training for uh, the Dream Center Run for Hope on September 11th, and um, me and Greg couldn't be more different. Um, He is in his 60s. I'm in my 30s. He is an empty nester. I'm debating whether to add to my nest. Um, It ain't looking too good for the home team. Um, (laughs) He is a computer programmer. I am a preacher. There is no reason for us to be connected. Yet, in a place where Christ is Lord and King, people from two different places who never would have had anything in common now have a common mission and a goal because Christ's purpose has been elevated over our preferences. Look around you in this room. There are people who don't look like you, who don't talk like you, but yet you are in the same room, united for a purpose. But it required obedience. And here's the good thing about unity. The second observation I want to show you is that unity attracts the presence of God. Look, look at what happens in the text. It is after they are united, verse 2 says, and suddenly... There came a sound or a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And I tell you, God shows up when his people are united. God begins to investigate when his people get united. We used to say this in, in, uh, back in the day. We said one band, one sound, that all of us may be playing dis- different instruments. All of us have a different role or job to play. But when we get united under the banner of Christ, that God begins to show up and he moves in a way that we have never seen him before. Now, y'all, I got to be honest. Um, If I was in that room and I heard a violent rushing wind, I probably would have panicked. You know, I've been through a hurricane. I hid in a laundry room when the hurricane was coming. I told the first service I probably would have ran. Then I realized that's not smart. The wind would have destroyed me. So don't run in a hurricane. Fun facts. But, But the presence of God shows up when they get unified. And can I tell you this? They drop their agenda at the door. They unite behind one purpose. And guess what? There was enough of God to fill every single one of them. 
Can I tell you, even if you give up your preference, that God still has enough anointing to pour out on your life. That even if you give up your particular desire, that God still has enough to pour out for everyone to have an assignment, for everyone to have a mode of operation in his church. There's room for all of us. When we're united, his presence falls on all of us. I believe David was looking forward to this day in Psalm 133. He says, behold, that word behold means look, 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 look here. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said, it is like the oil that falls down the head and runs through the beard. A couple of years ago, we were in Brazil. Like, so when we pray for y'all here, we may use a little oil and do a little dab on you like that. But in Brazil, it's different. We were there during the um, installation of one of their pastors, and they took this big jug of oil, and they began to pour it on his head. And y'all, I saw him. I was like, I know he wanted to choke because that, <laughs> that thing was just smearing down, running in them. But what it signifies is God saturating our lives with his presence. That every part of our being and soul is filled with his presence. This is what David says in the latter part of verse 3 of that same uh, Psalm 133. He said, there the Lord has commanded his blessings and life forevermore. Here's the truth. Unity not only attracts the presence of God, but also the blessings of God. Unity brings God's presence, and where God's presence is, it is literally what God intended for his people from the beginning. He did not want you to be separated from him. He wanted you to walk in constant communion with him, and when we are united, we get a taste of that peace of heaven, of what good God desired for his people. This is what happens for the disciples. They're in the room. They pray. The spirit of God falls. They are all speaking praises to God. Here, here's the next thing that unity does. I think this is important. Here's the third observation is that unity attracts the attention of others. Look, look at verse 6. It says, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. When this sound of unity erupted from this upper room, this enclosed area, the oil of God leaked and dripped into the city and the crowd came together. You see, unity attracts the attention of others. Um, my dad, he was a big Laker fan, and he grew me up as a Laker fan. And y'all, pray for me. I'm having a little difficulty being a Laker fan. Me and Pastor JT are Laker fans. And um, I was a big Kobe fan, and now we got LeBron. And Scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and I'm having a hard time rooting for LeBron and still loving Kobe. Uh, pray for me. But what my dad did is when I was growing up, he would show me tapes of the Lakers in the 80s. 
And this group in the 80s, they were known as Showtime because everybody wanted to watch the Lakers play. It was because there was something special that would happen. They would pass the ball and you never knew who was going to get a shot because they played united. They played together as one and it was must-watch TV. It attracted the attention of others. Let me say this to you, that the gospel is most attractive when the church is most united. That the gospel is attractive to the world when the church is at its most unified place. They, they heard this sound of unity and the crowd says, I've got to investigate and see what this is about. I have to gather near Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. This is part of his prayer in John 17 and 23. He says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Folks, when we are united, when we are united behind the mission and purpose that God has given us, when we go all in on that, the gospel becomes attractive to those who are lost. The gospel becomes something that they desire and want to investigate. Gospel is something that we all get to share with those who don't know it. Our unity creates opportunity to tell others about Jesus. Here's a fourth implication or observation is that a united church has the answers to life's biggest questions. Now, this is a pretty cool moment that is happening here. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in tongues as the, the Spirit of God gives them utterance, and uh, those who are there hear it in their own language, and they ask questions that the world has been asking from its infancy. They are asking, what does this mean? What does it mean? What does life really mean? What is the purpose behind this? One of the most, uh, the best-selling books in the most recent years, in the last 25 years, it's a book written by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. And this book sought to answer the same question. These folks are asking, what does this all mean? And what do I do about it? Y'all, the church should be a place where searching people can ask questions and find answers. The church should be a place where people can bring their doubts and their fears and their concerns and find the answers of hope. And these individuals in the crowd were asking, what does this all mean? And there are people in your life who are asking the same thing. When they're going through storms and trials, what does this mean? When they're trying to figure out why am I here, they're asking, what does this mean? If you permit me for a moment to do what Peter does in verse 13 through 36, what Peter did is shared 
the gospel. If you're wondering today, what does this all mean? The truth is is that you were born on purpose. God had you in his mind from the beginning of time. But sin entered the world and separated us from God. But when Jesus saw our sin, he chose the cross. He went to the cross and died for our sins so that we could be connected back with our creator and have the life that he always wanted us to have. And if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we can be saved and experience the life that Jesus has for us. Peter makes a gospel presentation. And so many people are looking for answers in multiple different ways. But God has called the church to be united around this one mission, that the name of Jesus be lifted up and presented to the world as the answer for the problems they face. Here's what he says in Philippians 1 and 27. He says, stand united, singular in vision, Contending for people's trust in the message, the good news. But Peter, something happens in verse 37 that's unique. And this is one of the reasons why we encourage you to share your story. Because every gospel presentation should end with an invitation. They ask, what do we do about this? And Peter invites them to faith in Jesus Christ. This is why we encourage you to share your story. Because when you tell others what Jesus has done for you, it's an opportunity to invite them into faith with Jesus Christ and to invite them to church community into his family. This is why we encourage you to invite people to church. Because if you're sharing your story, the gospel presentation must be coupled with an invitation. He invites them to this new life. My challenge to you is if Jesus is so good, why aren't we sharing him? If Jesus means to you what you declare he means, shouldn't he be pertinent and urgent for us to share and invite others to taste and see that the Lord is good? They, they ask in verse 37, what, what do we do? And Peter invites them to life with Jesus Christ. But here's the fifth and final thing that I want to show you is that a united church is a beacon of God's redemption. Look at what it says in verse 41. He says, so then, and this is Luke recapping what happened. So then those who received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. A united church stands as an opportunity for us to be a beacon of God's redemption. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. For he, he being God, raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ. You see, this has bigger implications because this day of Pentecost wasn't the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost is recorded in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 28. And during that time, 3,000 people died. On the first day of Pentecost, their sin and rebellion caused 3,000 people to lose their life. But here on this day of Pentecost, 3,000 people gained their life and life eternally and life more abundantly. Can I tell you, God is in the midst of redeeming loss and broken things. That God is in the midst of turning what the enemy meant for evil around for your good. It's not an accident that in the same city, a church movement that was created to separate people, God has sent a church that is created to bring people together. It's not an accident that in the same place where county lines force you to choose a side, that God has sent a church that has a location in both sides. It's not an accident that in the most segregated hour of America, God has sent a church to break down that mold. It's not an accident that in the same place that people are having culture wars, that God has sent a church where grandparents and grandchildren can call a church their home. God has sent this church to be a beacon of his redemption, a church where the lost and broken are found, a church where the person on the hill and the person looking for their next meal can find a place to worship together. God is taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for his good and for his glory. God is using his church to change the hearts and the lives of people. And hear me, you are a part of that. And we are not united until all of us go all in. We can't have unity unless all of us go all in. And a lot of times, here's what we settle for. We settle for being tied together without unity. But if you've ever seen children run a three-legged race, you know just because we tied together doesn't mean that we're united. But God says, I've broken down the things that separate you. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the systems of laws and his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. I don't care where you come from. You are united in Christ. I don't care what your background is. We are one in Christ. He has united his church to fulfill the mission and it's to win the loss at any cost to bring glory to his name we got a choice to make 
But as for me and my house, I am all in on the work, on God's work to unite his church. I'm all in. And my brothers and sisters, we need you. We need you in South Augusta. We need you watching online all over the world. We need you in the atrium. We need you in in the outdoor venue. We need you in this building to say, I'm all in on what God is doing. His purpose is bigger than I can imagine. He wants to do something incredible in the life of Stevens Creek Church for the glory of his name here in Augusta and the CSRA and beyond. There is a second harvest coming to this church. I wonder if we would get united, God could do in one day what we've been praying for for 33 years. God wants to do it in our world. And here's why I'm challenging you to take this QR code and go all in with us. We are going to take this journey together and watch God do amazing things in our lives. I'm out of my time, but I want to pray for, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you who have not made a decision to be united with Christ. Today is your day to receive what God had created and planned for you, the gift of salvation. But I also want to pray for us as a church to get ready for what God is about to do to prepare us for where he has taken us. Let's pray, God, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We thank you for reminding us that you have called your church to be united for mission. God, thank you for reminding us to obey your call for unity. God, I'm so grateful And we are grateful that when we get united, your presence shows up. God, help us to show forth the answer of Jesus Christ to a world that is searching and looking for answers. God, help us to be a beacon of your redemption, to show the world that even if you're lost, Jesus has made a way. Even If you're broken, he can mend you. And if you've been wandering, he has a place called home for you. And if you haven't made a decision for Jesus, today is your day. And I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. But I'm so glad that you forgive. Forgive me of my sins. I receive your free gift of salvation. Make me into the person that you've called me to be. And God, right now, I pray for your church. I pray for your church that you have sent here to do good work. I pray that, Lord, you would make us one. That, Lord, every outside agenda, every sideways energy would be silenced in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that we would pursue your word and your mission and your plan for this church. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would stir up the gifts, that you would push and prompt your people into purpose. That God, we would have a fire and a hunger. And like the day of Pentecost, that you would pour out your spirit on your people again, God. We need a fresh touch of your anointing in your presence 
And in the end, God, as you move, you will get the glory. God, in the end, that as you change lives, you will get the honor for your name's sake. And we give you praise today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who believes it says amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.